Today is February 3rd, and this is the 39th episode of the MMA Mike podcast. I know it's been a little while since I've done an episode, and partially I went away for a little bit uh, over last weekend, and there was no UFC event. And then I moved back into school, so I've been a little bit busy, and especially with all that snow we got up here in the Northeast, making things a little bit more complicated. But I never did get to do a post-fight recap of Poirier versus McGregor 2 at UFC 257, which took place on January 23rd on Yas Island, Abu Dhabi Fight Island. Now, obviously, the lightweight main event was shocking uh you could say Dustin Poirier knocking out Conor McGregor in round two you know what I will say about how the fight went you know I thought it was a competitive first round I think McGregor edged the first round I do think he won that first round um he did have more total strikes um actually no I'm sorry Poirier had one more total strike than McGregor but in that first round uh you know I think Connor landed the heavier shots. Um, Poirier did get a takedown in the first round, but McGregor quick to get to the fence, get back up, and I thought he looked a little bit stronger in the clinch. And, um, you know, he didn't allow Poirier to get too, too much of control time on the ground. And uh, But on both parts, very nice striking. Uh, I just think that McGregor edged out that first round a little bit. Now, at the end of that first round... Poirier did start to land some leg kicks, and that definitely took a toll going into the second round. Um, Connor did say recently on an Instagram post that, you know, he felt great cardio-wise. This was the first time that in between a round he didn't have to use a stool. He was standing up, uh, which I didn't catch when I watched the fight. I watched the fight twice over, and um, but he came out and said that in his recent post and his thoughts about the fight, uh, but... Dustin Poirier's leg kick approach carried into the second round and really did some damage on Connor. Now, I wouldn't say Dustin hurt him too, too bad with that counter punch that he kind of pointed at him. And and then I think Poirier thought he had him hurt and just started throwing a barrage of strikes. Now, the interesting thing about that is if Connor didn't get knocked out there when he level changed and he somehow survived, I think Poirier would have been in deep, deep trouble because I think Dustin would have emptied the gas tank trying to put him out a little bit there. Obviously, he landed and it worked out for him. But I think you definitely have to credit those 18 leg strikes to Dustin Poirier's strategy heavily so. And, uh, you know, you got to feel good for Dustin Poirier here. This is the biggest win of his career. He feels like he is the uncrowned champion. Now, I would have to disagree a little bit due to the fact that he did not weigh in at championship weight and the belt was not on the line. I think he needs to come through in that championship fight, making that weight, making that walk for the championship, which will probably be his next fight. Now, you also have to feel bad for Conor McGregor. And as a fan of his, I do feel bad because, you know, I think he didn't do anything bad. I think he just got beat, you know. Uh, I don't, you know, when I talked to a bunch of people about the fight, people thought he looked off, he looked slow, he looked bad. I didn't think so. I just think Poirier's game plan worked. And, uh, you know, I think Conor was on track to win that fight if the leg kicks didn't come into, you know, accountability. And I do think Conor... As soon, you know, he stuck around after the loss, he acted like a champ about it, 
keeping that good mentality that he's transformed into. And, um, you know, he said, look, I need more time in here, guys. You know, I need more time. And, and I think he does. And, you know, just training isn't quite real fights, you know. So I think he needed a little bit of that real fight time to get a little bit of a better feel. And I think next time we see him in the octagon fighting in front of, you know, millions again, I think uh, we're going to see a much different Conor McGregor just because of the little bit of experience that he's just endured. And also, I think we're going to see an even more hungry and motivated. Now, I think he was motivated. I wouldn't say he was distracted or he had anything bad going on. I think we got a good Conor McGregor in there. I really do think we did. I just think Dustin Poirier bested him that night. But I think this loss is going to drive him to be very, very hungry. And uh, I think we're going to see a very good performance by him next time he returns. Now, I'm going to run through this whole main card and then give you my lightweight breakdown on how I think the division will go. But uh, I would predict a, a win for Conor McGregor next uh, without even knowing the opponent, if I'm going to be honest. Now, that was obviously a big surprise, but there's also some very big news in the lightweight division, and that's Michael Chandler knocking out Dan Hooker in round one. Uh, you know... Dan Hooker didn't look bad, I wouldn't say at all. Uh, Michael Chandler just came out guns blazing, came out very, very hard, wanted to brawl. Uh, Dan Hooker was staying on the outside, you know, kind of throwing a jab, throwing a couple leg kicks, uh, and was, I think, taking the right approach. I think he just got caught, you know. He got caught, uh, and he was taking the right approach, and the way I know that is because Michael Chandler, at at one point early in that first round, looked frustrated he looked like why aren't you brawling with me like everyone in bellator did like he 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 wanted hooker to engage with him and hooker wasn't hooker was trying to stick to his game plan unfortunately got caught with that right hand now i know dan hooker was frustrated with that loss but there's still a lot for him in that lightweight division he's still very talented now this win for michael chandler is obviously gigantic you know this is huge coming into the ufc this puts him at you know the number four ranked lightweight uh in the world so it's huge for him and in a little bit i'm gonna get to what i think's next for him but i want to cover the rest of this main card and a little bit on the prelims now yeah joanne calderwood besting jessica i by unanimous decision obviously a competitive fight one of the judges uh had her winning only two rounds the other three had her winning all three rounds before that, in the middleweight division, you had Mahmoud Murdoff defeating Andrew Sanchez by KO in the third round, obviously showing he's a constant threat throughout the whole entire fight, landing way more strikes than Sanchez, significant end total, and overall just kind of dominating that fight i mean it was competitive but he was beating up sanchez and uh showing he has a crazy amount of power in the women's strawweight division you had marina rodriguez knocking out amanda rebus you know i i have very high opinions on amanda rebus i think she's a special talent i don't think that this is going to hinder her too much i think she's going to come back and maybe even you know after a win maybe even beat someone like a marina rodriguez you know, to prove that she's getting better and she's going to be long in the top of the division moving forward in that woman's strawweight division. But obviously, 
uh, you know, a great knockout for Marina Rodriguez. Um, you know, I, I would say uh, Rebus was winning that round until she got knocked out. She got the takedown. She did control the fight for three uh, minutes and 40 seconds and had more total strikes, but she got caught, you know, and, and that's what it is. Um, you know, a, a couple other mentionable fights, good fights overall. I mean, we had a lot of surprising and upset wins, but um, you had Armin Tasirkian defeat Matt Vervola. Dominant performance. He looked very good. Brad Tavares defeating Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, Juliana Pena defeating Sarah McMahon by submission. Uh, you had an upset in Marcin Pacino or Pacinio defeating Khalil Roundtree. And uh, Mosvar Ivalev defeating Nick Lentz. And Amir Albazi defeating Zalagas Zumagilov. Uh, so, you know, overall, great pay-per-view and uh, a lot of upsets and surprises. Now, let's dive into this lightweight division because obviously it's buzzing as it always is. You know, you got Dustin Poirier moving up to the number one ranked spot. You have Justin Gaethje moving down to number two, Charles Oliveira at three, Michael Chandler at four, Tony Ferguson at five, and Conor McGregor at six. Now, I do disagree with putting Conor down to six. I do believe he deserves to be over Tony Ferguson. Now, they put him down, he lost, and he hasn't been as active in the division, so I understand. But I do believe he de- he deserves to be higher than Tony Ferguson. Now, a couple guys underneath Conor, you have Rafael DeSantos, Dan Hooker at number eight, who's moved down two spots. You have Paul Felder at nine and Diego Ferreira at 10. Alain Quinta at 11. Kevin Lee at 12. Benil Dariush at 13. Islam Makachev at 14. And Gregor Gillespie at 15. I wasn't going to go through them the whole list, but uh, I just started to. Uh, partially because you have Diego uh, Ferreira at number 10 facing... Benil Dariush, number 13, uh, this weekend. So we'll get into that a little bit in a little bit. But, um, you know, Dustin Poirier obviously deserves to be number one. He just beat Conor McGregor. Uh, he's been active. And I do believe he deserves to be, you know, for the title next. And obviously, Habib's not going to fight anytime soon. And even if he does fight again, I think he's going to be retired for at least a year and a half until he does come back. And he's not going to be champion in that time. So there will be a new champion in 2021. And I wouldn't necessarily say that it has to be uh, the next, you know, the UFC could decide to let Habib hold on to this for a couple months. Maybe even let Dustin Poirier fight again, depending on how this works out now. What makes most sense fight-wise is probably Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira, right? And then you have Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler, and then Conor McGregor fight Nate Diaz for the trilogy, right? And then you can have Tony Ferguson fight Dan Hooker or Paul Felder. And then based on there, you have Rafael Dos Santos fight, you know, either the odd man out but I don't think it's going to go like that and um I really don't I think the UFC 
is going to do some things a little weird. You know, I do think that they're trying to get Justin Gaethje to fight Nate Diaz, and I think that that fight could happen. And, you know, although Charles Oliveira did just turn down a fight with Michael Chandler uh, on short notice, I do think that they're going to end up getting that fight to happen. I think that they're going to say, look, we're not doing any title fights at this minute. You guys got to fight, you know, and I think they're even going to say like Poirier is not going to fight for the title next either Um, just to get this fight to happen. You know what I mean? And I think that they're going to schedule Chandler and Oliveira and say, look, the winner of this is going to get the title next. And I would not be surprised if we see that trilogy between Poirier and McGregor just because like, it, it makes sense because I do think Connor's hungry. And Connor, when he loses, he gets driven and wants to avenge his losses, you know. So I could see that being um, something. And it's going to drive a lot of revenue uh, for the UFC. It's a big fight. And I think Poirier wants it too. And I think Poirier understands that Connor's probably is one of his biggest challenges besides Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira. And. The third option for Poirier, I think, is Justin Gaethje. I really think that that's another fight. But in my opinion, I think Dustin Poirier, the way he's viewing it is Conor McGregor, Justin Gaethje, then Charles Oliveira. Or or, or Conor McGregor, Oliveira, then Gaethje. So we'll see. In my humble opinion, I really think that we should see Dustin Poirier fight Justin Gaethje. And then we see Conor face Nate Diaz for the trilogy. Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler fight, and then Tony Ferguson fight the, one of the other guys. And if Connor beats Nate, I think you could throw him right back into the title fight. Reason being, you know, he got that experience with Poirier. He's going to get some more with Nate. He should be ready for a big fight. So, you know, that's my lightweight breakdown. And there's a lot of different ways you could crack it. All these matchups are great. And we'll see how the UFC cracks it down. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing some scheduled and they wait to do the championship fight to be scheduled last just to get these guys fighting because uh, these guys are going to all they, – they all want the belt. They all want to fight for the belt. So we got to see and we got to wait, unfortunately. But UFC 257, I'm sure the next time I talk with Jack O'Hara, we will talk about it a little bit more and I'll get into a little bit of depth. I left my – notebook home so all my notes and and how i thought about the fight that i wrote immediately after i don't have but i'll get back i'll get into that deeper next time i'm with him but since i'm on already and we got a fight this weekend i might as well break it down we got ufc fight night overeem versus volkov february 6th and we're back in las vegas at the ufc apex this is going to be a great heavyweight main event. You know, Alistair Overeem's taking his one last run. This guy has so many fights. He's 47 and 18. Now he is an underdog to Alexander Volkov, who has a lot of fights himself. He is 32 and 8. These two boys are very big. Overeem 6'4", Volkov 6'7". And uh, they both have a reach of 80 inches, both fighting orthodox. You know, obviously, they could switch it up, especially the Reem. But this should be a fun fight. Um, Overeem, like I just said, you know, he he's taken this one last run. If he does lose, this will probably be his retirement fight. But he wants to 
fight his way up to the championship and then if he wins he's going to retire if he loses he's going to retire he he just wants to win that belt and then he feels like he's proved everything he can in his mixed martial arts career and that'll be that and uh alexander volkov is looking to climb his way back up as well you know obviously coming off of a great win against walt harris and uh he's looking to you know fight a guy who also beat Walt Harris uh in Alistair Overeem you know so Alexander Volkov is a guy who's been on the up track and then you know picking up a loss that sets him back like for example against Derek Lewis and then he picked up a win against Greg Hardy and then picked up a loss against Curtis Blades and now picked up another win against Walt Harris so you know he's a guy who's trying to climb up and uh work his way up the ranks and obviously beating a complete veteran in Alistair Overeem will help him. Alistair is ranked number six. Volkov is ranked, or Alistair is ranked number five. Volkov's ranked number six. So, you know, this fight is going to be a little bit of a contender eliminator. You know, it could get you a number one contender fight and that whoever wins that could end up fighting for the championship. Now, how I think this fight's going to go. I think the Ream is very smart. I think... Volkov is really just going to go in there and strike, and we know he has great striking, and he can use his kicks as well. So that's going to be, you know, a little bit of, of an interesting component against Alistair Overeem, especially with that reach, which the Ream typically has on fighters. But the Ream might be able to make this a dirty fight. He may be able to take this fight to the ground, do some work down there, ground and pound. Who knows, maybe even a submission, maybe hard, but we'll see. He's got a ton of experience. He's also got those devastating knees and kicks of his own. So, you know, when you match up the arsenal, each other fights, ha- you know, each of these fighters have. I like the, odd, the odds on Alice or Overeem, especially with him being an underdog. Uh, I like the money on him. And uh, nothing against Volkov. I think he's a great fighter, but I'm also just pulling for the win for Alistair Overeem, being that this is his final run. And by the way, this main card is fantastic. In the co-main event in the bantamweight division, we're going to get Corey Sanhagen taking on Frankie Edgar, which is just going to be phenomenal. Um, this is a, a, a really a number one contender's bout, you know? Um Corey Sanhagen's ranked number two. Frankie Edgar's ranked number four. Aljamain Sterling's ranked number one, and he's facing Pierre Jan soon for the belt. So this fight, the winner of this fight could fight for the belt next. Now, how I think this fight's going to go down, you know, Frankie Edgar has a, a tremendous amount of experience. Corey Sanhagen, a young kid coming up, a big favorite here. You know, I, I think that the odds are a little spread out too much. Um, I think that they're giving Sanhagen a little too much respect, especially from a dog like uh, Frankie Edgar. But I do think Corey Sanhagen has the striking advantage, and I think his ground game is good enough to get him by. You know, I do think Frankie Edgar is going to work a lot of wrestling in, but I think Sanhagen's submission game and, and ground game will, will be good enough to get him back to his feet and uh, work more striking in. Now, if Sanhagen can't get back to his feet and Frankie Edgar can continue to take him down and dominate on the ground, this is going to be Frankie Edgar's night. And may I remind you, this is a three-round fight, so it changes things a little bit. Um, But my official prediction, I'm going to go Corey Sanhagen.
probably by decision. Oh, and I didn't give a decision for Alistair Overeem. I'm going to take the Ream. You know, I'd like to see the Ream get a stoppage, but it, it he may go to decision. So you're going to get Marion Renu and Macy Chiarson in the women's bantamweight division before the co-main event. Um, Macy is 5'11", Marion is 5'6", Macy has a 72-inch reach and marion has a 68 inch reach they both fight with the stance of orthodox and this should be a competitive fight you know um macy doesn't have too too many losses on a record she only has one marion has six and uh i think macy's gonna add another loss to marion's record here i think she's just a little bit better and has a little bit more momentum going into this fight So, in the flyweight division before that, you got Alexander Potaho Potaha facing Manel Cape. I'm going to take Cape here. He is an underdog. I like him here. I think he's explosive, and I think he's very talented. He's 15-4, and four, and Alexander uh, Pantahope is 22-5, and five, but I like Cape. I think he's a little bit better here, but we will see. Before that, in the featherweight division, Cody Stamen is taking on Asker Asgar. And uh, that should be an interesting fight. I am going to take Stamen um, just because I do not know too, too much about Asker Asgar. Uh, you know, this is his first fight in the UFC. Uh, he's 11-1, and one, but I think Stamen's just UFC experience is going to help him edge out this win. But, you know, if Askar Askar comes in here and wins fashionably at this big of an underdog, it's going to be a big statement. And for the first fight on the main card in the lightweight division, as I mentioned earlier, you're going to get Diego Ferreira facing Benil Dariush. Although Dariush has picked up some nice wins and maybe some wins that came a little bit lucky. He's been hurt uh, and come back and won and then he's... Missed weight and won. I'm going to take Diego Ferreira, and uh, I like him here. I think he's a dog, and I think he's tough, and he's he's ranked in the lightweight division for a reason, and I think he's going to give Benil Dariush a little bit of trouble. A couple fight night pick'ems I'm going to do uh, on the prelims. Michael Johnson over Clay Guida. I'm going to take Michael Johnson. I'm going to take Mike Rodriguez over Danilo Marquez as well. And let's see. That's mostly it that I really know the fighters. So, you know, that's my breakdown of UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov. I'm excited for this weekend's fights. And, uh, you know, this this month's pay-per-view actually is popping up very fast. I didn't even realize until I looked earlier in the week that UFC 258, Usman versus Burns, is going to be the next event in the UFC. So I'm super stoked for that. And uh, I will give you guys a preview of that next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. This was episode 39. I'll catch you guys later.